Welcome to another episode of Learn with Bestern, where we discuss the latest trends in leadership development, self-development, as well as well-being. There's so much information out there. We want to make sure we bring in the latest insights and research based on neuroscience and behavior change to give you the tools that you need to make a change in your personal and professional lives. Join us on a journey to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with others that might find it helpful. So this is a very special episode of Learn with Besson. I wanted to discuss about why traditional coaching at work doesn't really work and if there is any way to fix it. So we hear that many companies have started programs to individualize the development of people and coaching has become kind of the tool of choice to make it happen. And the reason is that companies have realized that developing people cannot be done simply with training. Uh, their current need for agility and transformation requires a model based on rather like learning how to learn rather than the simple transfer of knowledge that you have in a standard training. And not everything is that bright. While coaching is recognized on its impact on productivity, the sad reality is that it fails on its execution. The main reason why it fails in execution is because we tend to make coaching a complex process that is perceived as long and a burden for many people's managers. It is perceived as something we must do on top of being a boss. So, and I wanted to have like kind of a nice discussion about the good side and the dark side of coaching with Meredith Bell. Now, let me tell you about why it's so special today. Meredith is one of the most respected leadership development advisor. She's a reference in the coaching world. She has written a couple of books, like uh, the books called Connect with Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills, or another good book, which is Peer Coaching Made Simple, how to do the six things that matter the most when helping someone to improve a skill. Now, this is not all. Uh, her book, Connect with Your Team, has been recommended by no other than Ken Blanchard. Yes, one of my favorite authors and also a reference in leadership development. Meredith is also the president and co-founder of Performance Support System, which is focusing communications, but in particular, how, to do, how do we transform how do we start practicing communication and make it like a habit, a, uh, displaying a process of habit formation using the latest in terms of the learnings of neuroscience and how the process, uh, how the brain processes new skills. Now, this is quite good. This is quite interesting. Welcome, uh, Meredith, and welcome to, to uh, Learn With Besson. Thank you, Ivan. I'm so excited to be with you today. Of course, you know, I love the topic we're about to discuss. So this is going to be a fun conversation. Meredith, before we start, I, I want just to put in, into, into context something that is quite revealing about the realities of, uh, of coaching is that there are a couple of uh, misconceptions on how corporates are deploying coaching. And this is one of the reasons why coaching fails in terms of 
having a wider audience, a good understanding of what it is and how it can support people. Uh, according to you, what could be these big misconceptions that corporates have regarding coaching? You know, I think that's such an important question. What are the misconceptions? There are a couple that really stand out to me. And one is not realizing that everyone in an organization needs coaching. Mm. Most of the time it's reserved for executives, you know, or, or higher level folks, because of course they have a great impact within the organization. And that's, that's the traditional perception is these are the folks who kind of qualify to have a coach. When in reality, anytime we are attempting to improve a skill or improve the way we do things, coaching will accelerate that process dramatically. And so it's logical that everyone can benefit from having a coach. But the thing is, the other misconception is that often they think we've got to bring in an external person, mm. you know, to with the right credentials, the right qualifications to perform that function. When in reality, there are internal resources that can be tapped into, such as people coaching each other or managers learning how to be coaches to their employees. And many times organizations haven't thought about it in that way. And so they don't provide coaching because they have a more narrow definition of what coaching is and what it looks like. Hmm. Listen, I, I find the idea of peer coaching quite interesting. And we're going to touch base a little bit, digging a little bit more if, if it works or not. But the the fact is that corporations are not deploying in a in a wider scale to the different levels of organization because it's costly. So imagine paying, I don't know, if the average coaching hour is a, between $80 to $250. And imagine the, multiplying that by the number of, of people in a big multinational. So it becomes a little bit uh for companies, not something where they can have a return on investment. So is there better ways or something that will alleviate the, uh, the financial cost of coaching at a wider scale? Sure. One of the ways is looking at the length of time of the engagement. If they are bringing in an external coach, you know, sometimes there's this idea that we need six months, a year or longer for to work with someone. And I think one of the the trends is looking at how can we provide just-in-time coaching for people around specific things that they need. So it's a shorter engagement and 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 maybe even shorter bursts of time because everyone is feeling so overwhelmed with so much to do these days that blocking an hour or two hours for a coaching session when you could do, think of it as sort of like speed dating, you know, speed yeah. coaching. There are situational times when a, a leader might be dealing with a specific employer, or specific situation where they could think, oh my gosh, if I could just speak to somebody and get coaching around this, I could have a breakthrough. Those kinds of just-in-time, real-time kind of coaching opportunities 
rather than thinking in terms of a long engagement can make it more economical. And there are different, you know, companies that are providing services like that today. I, I'm totally with you. I, and I'm thinking back uh, to my experiences back in the, my corporate life. And I remember that because of the lack of resources, it was impossible to forecast how many coaches do we need for the full commercial team. Or, or, and five, six years ago, we didn't have the choice to have this uh, coaching on demand uh, or these applications where we can book a coach on the, on the spot. And it's almost like a, a, a service provider who, where you, you have like a rental of, of, of a given time. And, and that is something that is allowing, in fact, to scale up in organizations to, to go quicker and to be fixed up to the, uh, to, the, to the point of what is the challenge that the person, the individual is, uh, is having instead of having a full life coaching session when we start discovering, I don't know, purpose in life, uh, challenges, many challenges that can happen, and it makes it more e efficient. So, but the, the sad reality again is the fact that when you go and you train yourself as a coach, then you have a full process. And the full process is super long. Like, I don't know, when I was trained back in the in the days, I, I, I went to a training facility and I remember that I had like close to eight days of, of coaching dispersed in, 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 in many days. Um, and we expect that either uh, that most of the coaches are going to follow in this me uh, methodology, which is, uh, which seems quite long and it's not in line with the, uh, with what companies want today in terms of agility, doing things on the spot, the lack of time. We want to solve problems today as learners in, in corporations on the spot, not in, in my meeting in two weeks time with my coach. It's today, now I want to have access to, to my co coach. So I have the impression that the methodology, the approach of the traditional coaching is a problem because most of us have learned this traditional approach that we need longer times, like one or two sessions to discover what, what's going on. And, and maybe we can start activating uh, uh, the relationship in the actions only as of the third se coaching session. So three hours later, three sessions later. So it's, it's quite long, right? It can be. And, you know, there are some real benefits to that longer term approach. If you're if a company is looking at really investing in someone for the long term in the company, and it's really important that they establish a, a strong presence, a strong relationship with a lot of stakeholders in the organization, then it makes sense to have that longer term relationship. But, you know, as I was listening to you talk, even I was thinking about another way that organizations can reduce the cost mm -hmm. is to really train managers. And I and I use that term manager as anyone in a leadership role to help them learn how they can be coaches to their own team members. Because if you think about it, if you were to ask and survey a, a typical employee and ask them, who would you turn to if you had a problem and you wanted somebody to help coach you through it? I'm curious what percentage of them would respond, oh, my manager, <laughs> you know, too often 
they've experienced their manager as someone who is giving them directives, you know, mm -hmm. who's telling them things. And they don't have a perception of that individual as someone who would be an effective coach for them. So one of the best investments I think an organization can make is in teaching managers how to be effective coaches as a part of their role in working with the people on their teams. Hmm. Indeed. Now, the, the fact is that should a manager follow one or three days training uh, to become a coach, learn the same as a professional coach? Is it too much of a burden, to, too much of complication, in fact, of following a, the, the standard process of coaching? Or should they have something specific that goes a little bit more into, your, into the discussion that you mentioned where it is about more on demand? How to, it's about like the checklist of how to be empathic, how to ask powerful questions that are going to allow that people are going to be opening up. Because remember, the manager is the one who is going to judge your performance. And at the same time, should you trust him with all the mess that sometimes can happen in, a, in, in our heads? That's such a great question and observation that, yes, I have this person who's going to be evaluating my performance and do I dare open myself up and appear vulnerable? Like I don't have the answer to everything. Is that going to impact? And you know what that really, I think when we, we dig deeper there, it, it really has to do with the culture that has been set up in the organization and the perceived roles of everybody. And so it, it takes time to create what I would call a coaching culture where people feel comfortable opening up about a problem they're having or a challenge they're facing to seek guidance from that person who's also in the role to evaluate them. And I think there are a couple of different things at work here. Number one is we do have this perception that to be an effective coach, you need to be certified. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna be a paid professional coach, definitely. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking at taking on a role of coaching someone as simply a part of the way you interact with them at work, there are really a few basics that can be learned. And they're things that we all do naturally with people we care about in our the other parts of our lives, right? So, and, and there's a couple of key things. One is learning to ask questions. One of the challenges that I think managers face, especially when they are newly in their positions, is they think they have to provide all the answers. That's part of their job is to be the answer person. So if somebody comes to them, they're, you know, they, they feel like they need to have the answer instead of asking questions that help the other person think about it for themselves and often come up with their own solution. Because that to me is a core element of coaching. And I can share with your listeners a single question. So it doesn't have to be, you know, memorizing or learning a whole bunch of questions. 
the essential question is simply asking someone else a version of this one question. What do you think? Mm -hmm. So if we hold that in our mind, when somebody comes to us, what do you think I ought to do about this? Or I'm facing this to get to just turn it around and say, well, what do you think? You know, what have you thought about so far in how to handle this? Because I know you've given it some thought before you've come to me. It's also telling about a manager's style. If that manager is feeling overwhelmed by people coming to him or her all the time, because that is instructive. It's a learning moment for that manager to realize, man, I am creating dependence here on me where people don't feel like they can make simple decisions on their own. So what can I do to help these folks realize they're capable, they can handle this themselves. So I think that's a key element in a coaching role that doesn't need you know, a huge amount of training. I will say that sending a manager to a one or three day course, like you were just mentioning, to learn how to be a coach is only the first step. Mm. It's really important. And I love your focus, you know, even on your work and in your podcast around neuroscience, because the reality is for us to acquire and master or get anywhere good at a new behavior, we have to repeat it a lot and we have to practice it because we have to build those neural pathways in the brain. And so one of the best ways for a manager to become a good coach is to first be coached. Do they have someone who has coached them so they feel what it looks like and you know experience what it looks and feels like to have someone coaching them? Because then they have that experience to draw from when they are faced with a situation where they need to coach someone else. If we're just simply in a classroom learning the how-tos, but have never done it, that is not going to stick. We're not, we can leave and we'll forget that information a few days later and revert to what we've always done and what's comfortable because that's the established neural pathway we have. Aye, aye, aye. You have just opened the Pandora box <laughs> and that's culture. If we, if a company doesn't have the culture of coaching, then nobody's going to be really enabled. It's like I have seen uh, in many companies that yes, they, they they want to devote resources in order to equip managers to, to be coaches, but they put them into a training. And they expect that after the training, they are going to be capable of doing that. But you said it, if you are not coach, you don't know how to, you, do, you don't have the possibility to reflect, to generate insight. And basically it's also by observing that we start practicing. And then maybe while they start the practice themselves with their direct reports, they, that they have the possibility to be, to receive feedback, right? Did I do it correctly? Did I ask the, the right question? I, I felt that I wasn't connecting, that there wasn't too much empathy. Oh, I get a little bit stuck up with certain questions that are too personal. To have someone to help them uh, reflect to, to 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 make the mirror on on how they're how they're doing. No practice, it doesn't come. Uh, coaching is a meta skill, as you said. We do that with people that we care, but employees direct reports 
usually, yes, we care, but it's not like our family. And sometimes we tend not to believe either in my own capabilities as a coach. Oh, I'm not capable. I'm not that empathic or I'm a little bit introvert or whatsoever, or in the capabilities of others, like saying, yeah, he will not change. It's a waste of time, time, right? So it happens. It does. And, you know, I love some of these points that you're making, because if we can switch our thinking, you know, from, oh, I'm, I'm not good at this, or I don't think I can do this because I'm, you know, whatever label we put on ourselves, oh, I'm introverted, I'm not a people person, I'm not this or that. And instead say, what can I do to serve this person in mm. this moment? What would naturally be of help to them? And if we can have that attitude, it relieves a lot of pressure about needing to perform in a certain way. Mm. Because, you know, what we really, the whole goal of coaching is to help people, one, remove blind spots that they might have because we can see things that the other person doesn't. And then to ask questions that help them discover things they may not have acknowledged about themselves because ultimately we want people to be able to realize their full potential. We want them to be resourceful, independent thinkers who are high performers. And the way that we can do that is through asking questions that help them discover solutions themselves and also learn from their experiences because too often you know, we go from one thing to another to another. So whether it's a manager who just had a coaching session with someone and now they need to process how it went or a manager who is coaching someone else to learn from a mistake that they just made, there are some basic questions they can ask and I'll share them with you because they're not complicated and they're just so useful. And this can work by the way, for parents too, when their child has done something and it didn't go well, or they really made a mistake. Here's just these few questions. What happened? Tell me about what happened. You know, what was the sequence of events? And then getting the person to explain, well, why do you think it happened that way? You know, what were you thinking? What was your motive? You know, what was going on with you and the other person from your perspective? And then what were the consequences? How did that work out? Did you get the outcome you were hoping for? Or did something else happen that you wished hadn't happened? And then the fourth question is, so what did you learn from this that you'll do differently next time? And those simple questions, taking the time to slow down and process that, it, it has an amazing effect on being able to let go of a mistake. You know, too often we beat ourselves up. Oh, I really messed that up. I didn't do this well. If we take the time to, to process for ourselves or to process with someone else, then there's a learning, there's a takeaway that we can now apply the next time we're in a similar situation. If we don't do that, then we're likely to, you know, repeat the same mistake over and over because we didn't take time to process it. Indeed. Um, I like the point that you made about peer coaching. So managers helping their direct reports or maybe coaching someone like one of your colleagues and that these people do not need to have a certification. It needs to be, it's 
one, a mindset that they need to create and mindset <clears throat> created through repetition. <clears throat> the, second, the, the second point is about practice, practice, practice. They need to be coached themselves or uh, go through the experience of coaching. And I, it made me think a little bit about the book that you wrote, Peer Coaching Made Simple, where you talk about six things that, that makes it that's something that is implementable, where, where it's not about getting the certification, where you don't have to, to, to read at least the, the most used 500 questions in coaching, but it is about something that it is more practical. Can you tell me a little bit more about, about this book? What can I get out of, the, out of the book if I want to start being a coach uh, as, a, as a manager? Sure. Well, one of the things that we've done is, like you said, we have six different simple things that people can do. And none of these are foreign to somebody. You know, it's not like these are brand new. You've never heard of them. Like accountability, mm. you know, and this is where you and another person agree that you're going to meet at a whatever interval of frequency. And it doesn't have to be time consuming. That's the other beauty. People feel mm. so overwhelmed these days with so much to do. Mm. I don't need to add one more thing. But it's, it's checking in with someone. You make a commitment to do something in particular, a skill, let's say, that you're going to be working on. Maybe it's something as simple as listening and not interrupting, right? That I tend to jump in and finish people's sentences and I want to get away from that. So I'm going to work with you, Yvonne. You're going to be my partner. And every week we're going to get together and I'm going to report back to you. How did I do with that? And so in that role of being a peer coach, you're holding that person accountable and asking, you know, what did you do? How did it go? But also you are listening and then asking questions that help the other person to think for themselves. You are providing feedback. Maybe you observe them. If you're a coworker, maybe you were in the meeting with them when they jumped in. And so you can provide firsthand feedback to them. You also can offer encouragement because when we're trying to, you know, improve a skill, we're not going to get it right every time. That's part of the practice. Yeah. And so if we ever have a setback and we feel discouraged, the role of a peer coach can also be to offer encouragement, which simply means, you know, pointing out a person's positives, other things they've done, because we lose perspective when we start getting, you know, down on ourselves. And so what we've done in this book is we outline these behaviors, these skills, but we also give sample dialogues of what it looks like in action. Mm. So they don't have to imagine, well, I don't know what I'd say. So we have these realistic exchanges between two people that are being peer coaches to each other and sharing, here's how someone might talk to you about it. And here's how you might respond that would be a positive, supportive way. So it's using everyday work situations that everyone can relate to without it being theoretical. You know, there's no theory, there's no conceptual. It's all very concrete and practical. I have the impression that when you're doing coaching, on top of helping the development, the, I mean, the development in, in different areas, it's not only about discussing work related about my professional career, but also sometimes personal, sometimes even spiritual, which is quite positive because we start connecting so it's almost like a support for the culture that we want to do if we want to develop a culture of trust uh generate oxytocin and all the stuff in the, in the team so we 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 want to connect uh, with them and i think also helps 
people, especially managers, because of the more we progress in a, in a corporation, we become a little bit more like uh, floating in the sky, demigods or, or whatsoever. And it allows us to have a little bit of touch base with vulnerability because we feel it. We feel it yeah. from the other. And it also it can happen that as a manager, you can share something that happened to you to your direct report. Gosh, this is good. Yes. Oh, I love this point that you just made because, you know, sometimes people in a leadership role feel this self-imposed pressure many times that I have to be this certain way. I have to appear perfect. I, and so that prevents them from admitting when they make a mistake. It prevents them from apologizing, you know, when they've said something that was maybe upsetting to someone else. If we can set aside all of that because we have this realization, trust is built when people can connect with us and feel that we're a human being too. And so the more we're willing to share of ourselves, of our own experiences, of our own mistakes, they feel more comfortable opening up to us. It sometimes seems counterintuitive. If I open myself up, I'm going to make myself vulnerable and then they'll take advantage of me. But the actual opposite is what happens when we're willing to open up to people and say, wow, I really made a mistake. I apologize. Then others feel safe to mm -hmm. come to us and say, I made a mistake here. They're not going to cover it up. They're not going to try to blame someone else. So you start creating this environment of open, honest communication where trust becomes a foundation and that's really the only way that you can build a coaching culture is when people trust that they can say things in an open way and not have a negative repercussion happen mm -hmm. as a result of being honest themselves i was wondering because we had a little bit of a pre-discussion before uh the this episode, and I, I wanted to understand. So I mentioned to you that something that is happening quite a lot in the region is that, I mean, today, if you want, you can become coach online. So doing like e-learning and you have a XYZ certification. So it is becoming difficult for organizations to decide how to onboard what type of coaches they, they, they require in order to have substantial results and not to have someone who is going to stay there just to have accumulation of number of hours with one person because some people need to talk. But okay, we have friends and, and wives and partners or whatsoever to, to have the discussions. But if it is about how to make myself better, I need a professional that is going to bring me results quite, uh, quite quickly. Um, so it is almost like it's going to look funny. It looks like a, being in Mexico City. You you put your hand and then there is 10 taxis. In here, in the, in the Middle East, you put your, a HR person puts the hand and then there is 10 coaches that arrive on the spot because there is overproduction of coaches, especially during COVID. Ah, my God, I have seen coaches uh, from every everywhere. Um, so how can I, as an HR person, how can I take a decision about what certification? There is so many, by the way. Uh, I don't understand basically what is the difference between one or the other. And especially, I don't know if this certification is like uh, an insurance 
that they are up to date with the latest. I mean, in in the in the last ten years, we have seen positive uh, psychology uh, that is being a little bit more accessible, neuroscience, and do we know how to choose in between all these names uh, around uh, certifications or in coaching? You know, such an excellent question. And I would say the first thing to do is back up a minute before you start looking at who should I choose? Mm. Why do we want coaches? You know, ask some questions up front about what 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 are we experiencing that causes us to say we need to bring in an outside coach to work with either one person or a team of people, you know, individually or even do group coaching because that's also mm. a very cost-effective way to provide coaching. So what is it we're trying to accomplish? What is it that's not happening now where we have a gap between where we want to be and where we are now? What is it that a coach can do for us? So asking these questions up front will help you get greater clarity about what's the role the coach can serve for us. Mm. And that way you can develop criteria that guide your selection of the right coach. In other words, certification is just one part. Do you want someone who has experience in your industry so that they know the language, they know the challenges that you are experiencing, or does that not matter? So asking questions, in other words, what are the qualifications that would be important for us with this person? And another element might be their experience. You know, how many years have they been a coach? Who have they worked with? What kind of reputation do they have? You know, and asking for references and checking with former clients to see what was it like working with this person? So you do your due diligence also, uh, because I think sometimes, you know, we can get enamored with all these different letters after somebody's name, but does that really tell us how effective they'll be with say this particular executive or this particular ind or individual or group of individuals? And so just taking the time to think what's important to us and why would be, I think, saving a lot of time down the road than just hearing about someone and saying, oh, this is a person or feeling overwhelmed by so many choices. You can narrow it down by looking at and, and what's our budget. Of course, that's another uh, piece to, to look at because you can eliminate some coaches just because their fees are higher than what you can can do so seeing what's on your checklist which are really requirements which are nice to haves will help make it easier for you to narrow down your selection and choose somebody that's really the best fit mm. Meredith thank you very much for your your answer uh, I wanted to understand so let's imagine that we have some magic and we move like 10, 20 years from now, and we try to imagine the evolution of coaching. So today, coaching has got a good traction, and it is a mix of how much we we have understood about how the brain works, uh, 
the implication of in of positive psychology and then there is these now mega groups of online coaching like better up offering i mean a combination of so they have made kind of coaching a little bit more scientific because they have possibility to measure the impact of, of what mm -hmm. they do they, they have a process that seems quite uh, quite solid so if we had to imagine in 10 years from now how coaching is going to be changing what would you what would you see in 10 years wow you know it's hard to say what we'll see in one year with the way things <laughs> exactly. so much. but it, but here's the thing i don't care how many years you go into the future the need for positive human interaction is always going to be there because we're social animals mm. and so I know that you know some companies have technologies where they use artificial intelligence to generate you know appropriate responses and that can be useful it's never going to take the place of a human being mm. who's able to really sense everything about you and so I guess my hope would be that companies recognize the ability of everyone in their organization to be able to serve in a coaching role. And one of the key aspects of measuring the effectiveness of that is really retention. Yeah. How, how many people are staying with us because we've created an environment that supports them as they are trying new things, whether it's you know, a new position we've put them in or a new project they're working on. What have we done to provide that support? Because another word for coaching is support. You know, it's they're not synonyms, but it's a key piece of it is having someone you can count on that's got your back, that's going to help you in this moment, in this situation, to work through whatever it is that you might be dealing with where you need some help. And so I think retention is a key aspect. Um, and hopefully the organizations that recognize the need to really grow and change um, are, are taking those measures. And I can give you a quick real example from the University of California in Berkeley, because I recently interviewed their chief learning officer on my podcast and any of your listeners that want to catch that her name is Angela Stopper and mm -hmm. it's episode 170 on grow strong leaders podcast they have totally created the kind of culture that you and I have been talking about today it took a lot of work it's taken a lot of time they've turned their annual performance appraisal upside down to where now a part of the manager's role is to coach the person on developing as a part of their you know, performance conversations. And it's not just a once a year thing, but you know what they did? Uh, one of the things they did is they actually um, recorded like Angela and another person on her team coaching each other you know, and, and role playing. So those managers would have something concrete to follow in doing this. And they provided a lot of training and support. And of course they had some resistors. Not everybody said, oh, I'm so glad we're doing <laughs> this. You know, cause that's a not, you know, it's a major change. They had realistic expectations. 
they did a pilot where they got buy-in, they were able to tweak the system and really produce something that they now call achieve together instead of, you know, appraisal. And so it has a whole different feel to it for both the manager and the employee. This to me is the future where organizations really understand the importance of developing their people. In fact, they have a whole program called GROW where they provide just-in-time kinds of training for employees at all levels to help them and support them in their own growth and development. And so the managers play a key role in that. So I think if you are you know, looking to the future, it, what does it look like for an organization where people are thriving and they're staying and they're contributing at the highest level, that university represents a great example of what can be. I love this example. It's very human driven and and you are right. It's not about so much about the expectations that what technology can deliver for us. I do not believe that artificial intelligence, by the way, can replace a real human connection. That's our, but I do believe that it helps to reach a scale. Like for instance, having online bookings of uh, of coaching sessions on demand to have uh, to have like some a, a reporting system that allows me to see am I progressing in in that specific skill that I'm working on the spot with my with my coach. That is something that I do believe that it is is making good because it's increasing the accessibility to uh, to coaching. You mentioned something that is quite curious and. I'm, because I'm quite cynical, Benedict. Uh, so you mentioned that we are social, social animals. We were social animals since the beginning of humanity, but coaching became important only when COVID started and we saw that the, the need for human connection was there and we haven't done enough. And suddenly human resources department, CEOs started panicking because nobody was ready to, to work remotely with new processes, to be alone, to, to don't have a, a sense of uh, belonging with the rest of the community at work. And we were a little bit like depressed on that. And suddenly they decided that, yes, developing people is about also helping them, supporting them, not only with their mental well-being, but also with all the skills that they need to acquire to communicate better, to, to, to be more human inside of, of a corporation. So COVID was like a kind of big lesson and a slap for many corporations. That's a, that's a fact. <laughs> Meredith, I, I wanted to, to have one of my last questions and I wanted to understand what would, you, what would be your message for the skeptics skeptics and the disappointed about coaching is there any message that you, you can pass to the to these people who had bad experiences about coaching yes being realistic about what coaching is and can be and the positive effects of it is, is really dependent on on both people you know the person who is serving as the coach and the person who is being coached that willingness to be open, honest, and direct, and recognizing that getting good at coaching takes time. You know, it, it's, again, that whole rewiring of the brain where we, 
because you know a part of what's natural to us Yvonne is we when we see someone having a problem uh you know or in pain it's that natural instinct to want to fix it you know mm. and coaching is the opposite of fixing right it's it's asking questions it's drawing out that other person and it's if we understand what really good coaching consists of from coming with that spirit, then it's possible for real transformations to happen because people are discovering within themselves by, by great questions being asked of them, some of their real capabilities, some of what's really possible that they may not have appreciated before. And it takes time. And I think that's one of the things, time to get good at the skill, but also time to slow down long enough to ask questions and connect with someone else. What you were just saying about COVID and all the things that did, the organizations that really either didn't skip a beat or they didn't skip them for very long yeah. were the ones where they they connected with the human side of what was going on with each person in the organization. So they took the time to ask, you know, what's happening to with you right now? How do we need to support you with having your kids home, trying to do school from home? You know, there were all these variables that were impacting performance. And one of the ways that can relieve the stress and pressure on both sides is simply to have a frank discussion about what's going on so you can get creative about well what can we do to support you in this situation and so i think the answer for your your skeptics is what is the spirit i'm bringing to this whole concept of coaching and this environment where coaching can take place because if, if you both are coming with the right spirits, the right word to me, because it's the heart, the mind that is open to sharing, to caring, to being there for this other human being, you know, that to me is just good relationship building. That's the essence of it. <laughs> Thank you, Meredith. I love the, the points that you have made. Um, I just wanted to summarize something. So, first of all, how to reach you, Mary? Uh, Mary. Uh, one possibility is your website, growstrongleaders.com, yes. where you can have access to the two books that she has, uh, she, she has written. One of them is Connect with Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills. The second one is Peer Coaching Made Simple. That is something that I definitely have to read because I'm convinced, as you say, that the future is not about technology, it's not about outsourcing big teams of coaches, but it's about developing the skills and the culture, as you pointed out quite well, the culture inside of the organization. You cannot have just throw coaches with training uh, without changing the culture, the perception of what you want to build, what do you aspire in terms of behaviors, values, and mindset for your organization? Uh, is there any other way, Meredith, to reach you out? Well, I'm on LinkedIn quite a lot. I post there regularly. And I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. LinkedIn is probably where I'm the most active. 
And as you mentioned, our website, growstrongleaders.com, has information about our books, our products. We have assessment and development tools. And then also my podcast is there. Oh, yes. So that's podcast. a one-stop place for that people can go. And I have a, a button there for schedule a call if someone has a question and would like to talk to me about any aspect of this. I'm happy to have that conversation. Meredith, it was a great conversation. I, I'm really, I admire all, I mean, for me, it's like, like almost discussing with a guru on what it means, coaching, and also something that we haven't discussed and, and maybe we, we could discuss in another time is about the power of communication in, inside of, uh, in order to develop the culture. And, and it has to do a lot with coaching, but it's not communication like how to present a PowerPoint presentation. It's about how to be, be efficiently communication with leaders, right? Yes, absolutely. And like I said, effectively connecting with another person. Yep, exactly. That's, that's really the key. Thank you, Meredith, for your time. It was lovely to have you in this episode of Learn with Besson. Thank you very much. Thank you.